Welcome to the Equality Conversation podcast with me, Joy Burnford. This show explores what we can all do to be an ally and champion gender equality at work. Achieving gender balance in the workplace isn't about fixing the women. It's about changing the system to ensure that everyone can reach their full potential. So if you're looking for insights, guidance or advice on how to improve gender equality in your organisation, grab a cuppa, go for a walk or escape for a while and join us for today's conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Encompass Equality. We're the leading provider of practical solutions to advancing gender equality in the workplace and partner with organisations to support the attraction, retention and progression of women. We do this through research and consulting, leadership development programmes, talks and workshops and one-to-one and group coaching. To find out more and to download free tools and frameworks from the number one best-selling book, Don't Fix Women, visit EncompassEquality.com. Today, I'm excited to welcome Will McDonald, a job-sharing expert and consultant who works with us on our programmes. Will was previously in the only male senior job share in the UK as Group Sustainability and Public Policy Director at Aviva, and now uses his experience to help other organisations successfully implement job sharing. We're also joined today by my colleague Edward Haig, who is Strategy Director here at Encompass Equality. Good morning, Will, and good morning, Ed. Welcome to the Equality Conversation. Hello. Good morning. This is the first time, I think, on my podcast that I've been interviewing two men. I think all my other previous podcasts have been with women, so it's it's wonderful. Uh, hopefully that's a sign of progress. Absolutely. As you know, Will, I interviewed you for my book, and everybody who's read it always comments on that case study about you and how inspirational it was. So I'd love it if you could tell us, to begin with, a little bit about your background and what it was like working in a senior male job show. You know, how did it all come about? Sure. It was quite structured, I'd say. And I say that because I feel like quite a lot of my career hasn't necessarily been been quite opportunistic. But actually, I'd been at Aviva, which genuinely, even though I've left now, wholeheartedly recommend as a great place to work. I really enjoyed my time there. I've been there for about six years. I had done, I think, about a year on four days a week after I'd had quite a lot of small children. We had three children under four at one point. And I was really enjoying being a part of their lives and trying to be quite hands-on, but it was quite difficult, even with a a four-day-a-week job. And I spoke to my boss at the time and said I was looking at whether a job share might be possible, and perhaps with someone else in the team. He said, leave it with me. And he came back a couple of weeks later and was like, why don't we job share? So in a way, it was all relatively simple from that point of view. We actually ended up job sharing his job, which was great for me because I I did the thing that I will never do again in my life, which is to reduce the number of hours I was working, but maintain the pay I was taking home. Promotion and job share at the same time. Yes, exactly. And I think it worked. I mean, there's lots of reasons why I think the company was happy for us to try it. And we can talk about those. But broadly, we had a very comfortable position. I, he'd been my boss for six years. We had worked together before that. I knew him very well. We had a very good working relationship. And I think importantly, and this sort of goes on to another advantage of job shares, I'd covered for him for six months 
while he'd taken shared parental leave for his first child, I think it was, or his second. And I'd also covered for him while he did a four-month secondment. So there was a lot of comfort around, I guess. I had literally done his job for nearly a year, and he had been my boss. You know, So I think it was uncontroversial, probably, or it was unthreatening, I think is probably the word I'd use. Was it unthreatening to the company as, as well as him, Will? Because I, I, I'm in, interested to know, clearly it worked very well between the two of you and you, you'd spent time in his job before. What, what did the company think about this? We spent a few weeks thinking about it before we started talking to anyone. And we put in place a few things. So the first thing we did is we went to talk to a lot of job share couples. So we probably talked to eight couples, either one or both of them. Within the company or outside? No, there weren't many in the company. So mostly outside, a lot in the public sector, actually, seemed to be more job shares in the public sector. So that's where we, where we found people who, you know, friends of friends that we could talk to. And we wrote up some of those experiences in order to present that to our boss, because I think we wanted to show that we were taking this seriously and we'd done some research. The second thing we did is we proposed a six-month trial period where anyone could call it off. So we could call it off, our boss or the CEO could call it off, and our team could call it off. And the third thing we did is we drew up a a kind of contract between us. So what we often say about the job share is there needs to be some bits that are quite structured and some bits that are very flexible. So one of the more structured bits is we had Sam and I, Sam was my job share partner, had two sides of A4, which was a contract between us, and it said, we will or won't use one single email address. We will have one calendar. Is how holidays work. You know, it was pretty specific. It said, you know, if you, if you someone came to you with a decision about whether you could sign off a project for £20,000, you could look at it and it would tell you that was under the threshold. So I didn't need to consult Sam. You know, so we reserved some things where you couldn't act without the other person. But there were also the converse of that, probably more important, which is one of the things we wrote on our contract was when you're in charge, take charge. So don't consult the other, don't ring them up, just get on with it. You know, And some really important things like how you can unwind decisions. So if one of us makes a decision, how can that decision be unwound? You can't unwind someone else's decision. We, we worked out, this was our version of it. You couldn't unilaterally unwind someone else's decision. And if you both decided to unwind one person's decision, it was the person who's made the decision's choice as to whether they did it or not. If you see what I mean. So what you want to avoid, which we've got a bit of, is teams come to, you know, one of you will be different personalities. So teams will come to you with different types of problem because they think you're a better person to talk to. It's a bit like mum and dad, isn't it? You go to you go to mum and then she says no and you go to dad and he says yes. <laughs> oh dear. But you learn this through talking to lots of job share couples. Actually we didn't have I can honestly I can barely think of a single example where that happened in four years of job sharing. But it's great having the contract. It's like any contract, isn't it? You have a contract and you hope you never go back to it. But having that and, and agreeing it all up front, I think it's a really great process to to make sure you're on the same page and it's going to work. You, know, you might as well get it sorted at that point. Did anything change about your employment contracts? You had this contract between each other, which also explained to the business how things were going to work. Was there any change to either of your employment contracts? That was a good example of one where I was expecting us to end up quite structured. Actually, we ended up the opposite, we ended up very flexible on that. So we were, we were both entirely separate three-day-a-week employees. There was no mention of a job share in our contracts. And we had a 
uh, we actually had a very good HR partner at the time who made a very good point, which is we just don't know how this will end. It will probably end well, but we're all going to have to be grown-ups. So if one of you leaves, we can all agree that the other person will have a grace period to find another job share partner or do the job full-time themselves. But we're not going to write all that down. We can't write down every scenario. I was very perceptive of him, actually, because we'd seen a couple of contracts from other job share partners, and it can get quite tortuous. In the end, what happened in our job share, you know, I had a mental health breakdown, was off work for seven months during that time. Sam went off, I think, for his second, that must have been his second child, you know. So in the end of the four years of job sharing, there were quite large chunks of time where one of us was actually doing it four or five days a week because the other we had the flexibility to allow the other person to do something else. And you, you can't foresee all that. You can't contract that. So no, we actually, we had very kind of simple, straightforward part-time contracts. And what about the times, because there must have been some times when you overlapped, right? When you were both there at the same time, on the same day, I mean. How did the dynamics of that differ from the moments where you were the person sitting in the seat, so to speak? Yeah. So dynamic is a great word because it's a really important point, probably the most important point about why would you have a job share rather than work part-time, which is the dynamic of when you're not in work is that you should stay away from your email, stay away from your phone because you will only annoy the other person. They're in charge, they're in work. If they want you, they can ring you. But go away, do your childcare, go mountain biking, whatever it is you've decided to do. So there's a very clear dynamic four days a week. And then the Wednesday, which we had as our overlap day, we were both in. So we had we had an hour where we'd have a kind of handover meeting. Uh, we had two separate teams, so we had two half an hour team meetings. But apart from that two hours, the rule was we're not in the same place at the same time because that's duplication and unnecessary. And so some of that is for the image. Some of that is it's a bad look. But mostly it's because you don't need to be, you know, with a good communication process and handover. Actually, you're running different meetings, doing different projects. Something just occurred to me then about success factors. And I think you mentioned to me before having a great PA was something that really helped you. But is there anything else like that that you could say that really makes it work? You know, what's the sort of essential ingredients to making this job share partnership work? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there are some things which we, we shouldn't you know, you shouldn't shy away from in a job, in a, in a conversation about job shares like money. You have to be able to make it work on three days a week. Not everyone can can make that work in their household. Same having a PA. We were lucky we, we had a PA who supported other people, but she was helpful in terms of running diaries and so on. I think there's lots of things where there are no golden rules. You can just see what works. So we started off with one email address and we were like, this is the way to go. It's what everyone says they'll do. And the uh, Aviva IT system could not cope. It could not have two owners, so one person was always a, a sub-owner. What was the email address, though? Was the email address you or Sam or, or just Will Sam or Sam Will? <laughs> I think we were mcdonald.white. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was surnames. It was surnames. But I've, people have had some quite inventive ones. You know, I think I came across someone who had something like, you know, the job share two or something. You know, it was, it was a tally. But we, you know, we thought that would be really important. And in the end, we ditched it. It was much easier to run separate emails. So, you know, you have to be flexible around around that. I mean, I think the basis of success, though, to go back to your question, is trust. You don't have to like the other person, but you do have to trust them. 
Now, I kind of say that as a sort of jokey, Sam and I would say that as a jokey dig at each other, but it's a work marriage. What you get out of it is huge as an individual, and what you put in is probably... So for the person who worked Monday, Tuesday, some of your Tuesday night, you have to write a handover note kind of after work before the other person starts uh, on Wednesday morning and the same on Friday, Friday or Sunday. At some point, you have to hand back over. That must be quite stressful. I was thinking that because I was saying to a group yesterday that it actually feels like it's a very productive way of working because you can't just leave it till Monday to do. You have to kind of finish it off. So from an organisational point of view, it means the work gets done. I was talking to somebody else the other day who said they have to go back and review the last couple of days and think what's happened. And it's quite a useful tool to be able to do that because often we're so busy in our lives, we just go through meetings and, and you get to the end of the week and you move on to the next week. Whereas from the job share pairs I've spoken to, they do much more sort of reflection about what's happened, what does that mean, what's the next step. And I think that's that's been quite an interesting learning for me. The whole job, if you take it as one job, is much more explicit. Some of that is, you know, is more work. You know, if if I bumped into someone who told me an interesting bit of gossip about someone that was relevant to how we were going to get the board to sign off our plan, that has to go in the handover note. Sam has to know that because otherwise, you know, it has to be seamless from seamless from the outside was another one of our phrases. So you take on a burden of making it seamless for other people. And in fact, that isn't as hard as it sounds. You know, it does require conscious effort. And I think that is, you know, about you are much more explicit about what am I doing? What are the phases? You know, what am I committing to the other person doing? And I do think the company gets better results. As a result of that, you get two people, you know, I have all my work energy went into three days, not five days. There was, I had no Friday. There was no bit where I was, you know, like everyone does and everyone needs to. It's just slightly take your foot off the pedal, reflect a bit, take some time to get a coffee, you know, just to, I didn't have a Friday, you know, and the same. And then Sam would have, you know, he had six days of 100% energy, which I, I found is impossible to, you know, if we're all honest, it's impossible to achieve five days a week. I really hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about our mission at Encompass Equality. We're passionate about enabling the retention and progression of women in the workplace and sharing our knowledge to help support and inspire others. This podcast forms just a small part of what we do. So if you're struggling to retain senior women, or if you're not sure whether the initiatives you have are working, please do get in touch with us at encompassequality.com. We have a depth of knowledge and research that underpins all the work we do supporting our clients. So the productivity of that role increased. Did the company recognise that? I mean, was that quantified in any way? I mean, yes, I would say it was reflected in our in our kind of end of year review. Uh, in the, all four of those years, I think we, you know, we did very well. Our boss, who was an awesome woman called Kirsty, was very, very good at, at initially at supporting us in the trial and very supportive of it and very understanding of what her role what what some things would change from her role and she would just go with that and see how it was and then and then she ended up you know she really liked it you know it worked really well she totally trusted us we'd never dropped the ball we were almost more ambitious 
together than we were as individuals. Uh, like we were, you know, talking to her about are there other teams we could take on? You know, was there more roles? You know, and anyway, that, that which I guess sorry, it's a slight side side tangent, but it it goes does go back to an important point that that the role of the line manager, the specific line manager, not the you know, it has is they're the ones who see so much of the work and so much of the productivity that the rest of the company won't see necessarily. Um, and so they are such a pivotal role, not just in the decision-making around whether to have a job share in the first place, but also the ongoing kind of support for it. How much of this was you and Sam, though, that sense of being kind of greater than the sum of your parts? Were the two of you a really big part of that? Was there something about the construct of a job share that that somehow encouraged behaviours or or an approach to work that was different from what it might have been before you know because it sounds to me that that's such a positive account of the situation and you know if if you got two other random people and put them in the, to this job share situation is there something about the construct of the job share that seems to be a multiplier i think there is it probably won't happen in every scenario because it does depend on the two people being but if the two people are committed motivated you know individuals who really want this to work largely because they can see the benefits for the rest of their life. So the, the, the time they're not in work. So the prize there, I, so for me, that was spending a lot of time, you know, bringing up my children uh, or a lot more time than I had before. That prize was so worth putting in a huge amount of investment and really caring what happened in the job share. I mean, a lot of people say it's not an easy option to go into job sharing because actually you have to pedal twice as, as hard. It's not that let's take your foot off the gas for two days a week because you have to do a really good job in those three days. Yeah, you are tied to someone else. And so therefore your you know success within the company, you know, is tied, is partly dependent on someone else. And that makes you quite vulnerable. You know, that is, uh, you have to be comfortable with that. And, and if you think that there's something that the other job share person is doing or not doing, then you have to be able to talk to them about it. It is like a marriage. If you let stuff fester, you know, it will undermine the relationship. I guess there was, there's two points though, Ed. I think one is the actual productivity and the work that came out of the end of it. I think it was a lot more explicit about, about what we were trying to, it was a lot more thought through and it was a lot more reflective in the fact that Sam and I had spent some time at the beginning working out our kind of work personalities and how we worked. And, you know, we used a coach for a few sessions to help us. So we were able to like, to, to be very, you know, overt with each other about what worked and what how someone else is working and how that makes me feel about him doing this and why he's doing that, and which you, you, you wouldn't kind of do on your own. Well, at least I hadn't done that sort of thing to that depth before. And then the second thing I think is because we wanted the job share to succeed, we made it our our work, our business, to sell the job share, so internally and externally, because we wanted the company to realise the benefits of at the time was, you know, the only all-male job share that we found in the UK. So we deliberately went out, spoke on panels, did podcasts. You kind of, you did know, book interviews. Did book interviews. <laughs> and that has a halo effect of your HR director and, you know, your CEO and people can use you as a case study. Continuing with the marriage theme, something that I'd be really interested in your thoughts, Will, is about if people don't know each other, if you're coming at this, I mean, a lot of the job shares I've spoken to have known each other. They've worked together for a lot of years. They've built that trust over time. But then some people are wanting to go into this job sharing way of working, 
but don't have the people there. So they're going out and recruiting people separately for this new job share. Have you got any advice about kind of the dating scene that has to happen before the marriage happens? You know, how do you get to that place of trust when you don't know people? I mean, I don't have any direct experience of that, but I'm, I know, I now know a lot of people who have done what I'd call a cold job share as opposed to a you know, warm one. I mean, I think the basic ingredients are the same. It is, you know, it's about trust. It's about a shared vision for the role, you know, and being an experience you know, writing that down. What is your vision for what are we going to achieve this year? It's joint objectives and working on your, you know, in your work program and your kind of attitude and your mindset about how you're going to achieve that and being, you know, sitting down. What I think is probably hard is if you're trying to do that during a recruitment process, you really need them to be very good at the job that you're hiring them for. You also need them to be very good at job sharing. You need to test those two at once. It's really hard because I'm, I'm talking to somebody at the moment who's who's looking at doing this and they've got six applicants, I think, and we were chatting through, you know, how does that kind of work in terms of you interview one person, they're brilliant, you really want them for the job, but then you've got to then somehow matchmake them with somebody else that you think is going to be, you know, that sort of really adds a complexity to the whole recruitment piece, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there are more apps out there that, are, you know, tech is trying to get involved because there are obviously people out there who have done job shares, who might be in your market, but don't know about the opportunity that you're looking for. And I think that's really helpful. I think as HR departments become better at supporting those processes, because we're all doing it a lot more than we ever were, my hope is that will become easier. And one thing I'm, I'm hearing, especially from organisations like professional services firms, you know, oh, it, it's not going to work. It's really hard to see how it's going to work here in a senior job share. And I know we've spoken about this before, Will. But what's your sort of response to that? You know, why the sort of the, the, the concern from organisations to sort of give this a go because it won't work here because it's too complex and and how would it work? I would say, first of all, I mean, you don't know until you've tried and most people haven't tried. Uh, we built in the six months trial period and I think that was pretty helpful in terms of getting everyone in the company comfortable. You know, we were one off the C-suite, you know, in a FTSE 50 company. So we dealt with, you know, the multiple market CEOs all the time. There were lots of people who needed to be, who needed this to work, not just us and our direct boss. I would say, I don't think there are many jobs which can't be done as a job share. I think we're all, and I probably would have said it would have been really hard before I did it. I I think we're all probably a little bit too precious about our own role and how special we are. I think it turns out most roles can be done like this. You know, we had an outward facing role we were you know did a lot of stakeholder work we ran the team you know running all the engagement with government and stakeholders and then we ran the sustainability team a lot of which is external facing we were you know senior level facing we took the climate strategy through a you know a long board process like all the things that people say are the bits that kind of can't be done i think generally can be done absolutely i think you're right my my advice is just stop talking and start doing and just have a go because actually what's the worst that can happen well um it's been a fascinating conversation will and thank you so much for your time i before we finish i'd love to know aside from job sharing you know what would your one tip be for organizations who want to retain more women and improve gender equality at work so i there's two things that i came out of 10 years at aviva passionate about one is exit interviews i think a simple but mandatory I mean, obviously, you can't make it mandatory for the person leaving, but a kind of mandatory offer to do an exit interview, half an hour with a, you know, a manager who's in the team, but not, haven't worked directly with someone, you'll get amazing insights 
from that point that someone's chosen to leave. And I've even seen it where someone, because of what came out in the exit interview, they didn't actually leave. They unwound the resignation because it turns out it was fixable. But I, was, I just think you'll, you will get a depth. So I think if you do that, and we had a, I, I put that in place for the function that I worked in at Aviva, and we had a set of questions which included kind of equality and discrimination. How do you feel working here? What was it like? Would you recommend it to other people who are like you? You know, lots of questions like that, as well as other questions about the company and, you know, not about kind of equality. And that was really helpful. And it's basically free. There is no real reason why people don't do that. The other one, I think, is to, just to invest in people managers. It's a truism, but we promote people because they were good at their last job, not because they've ever managed. We don't invest in them. There is almost literally no leadership management training. So again, it was another thing I helped put in place for the part of Aviva I was in. And just once a quarter, we got all people managers, whatever, you know, whatever grade they were in the hierarchy together. And we talked to them about managing people. And some of this is about confidence. And that really helps kind of equality. If you can give line managers, especially everyone, but line managers, especially the confidence to use language in a way that should be used and to be comfortable talking about the menopause or, you know, race or just something. People don't get there themselves. You, know, you need to get them in a room and tell them that this is a valued part of their role. That was probably an hour and a half once a quarter. You know, I mean, it wasn't a big investment of time or money. And I would love to have done more. But, um, you know, as a starter, I would say all your people managers, because people move teams to get away from bad managers and they stay in teams with good managers. And that is not what you want your employees to do. It's not how you get the best out of them. It's not how you make talent move to the the projects where you need them. Music to our ears, isn't it, Ed? It is, yeah. <laughs> just so much of our research at the moment points in exactly that direction. So, yeah, it really is. Thank you so much, Will. And it's been wonderful, Ed, to have you on the call as well. And uh, look forward to seeing you both very soon. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. And that's it for this episode. If you like what you've heard, don't forget you can download the free tools and frameworks from EncompassEquality.com to get started and take action today, wherever you are on your journey. It would also really make my day if you could spend a couple of minutes to rate and review the podcast for others. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode. (laughs) 